Welcome to episode 73 of the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Hello, my name is Michael and I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Marsha. Hello. And on this podcast, we talk about what it means to live with less stuff and more compassion. Today, we're going to be talking about cooking, uh, specifically plant-based cooking tips for beginners. We'll be leaning heavily on Marsha as she heads up all of the recipe content over at The Minimalist Vegan and um, has learned a lot over the years in trying to create recipes for home cooks. And we've heard from our audience and we wanted to share some of these challenges and hopefully help you, especially if you don't have a great relationship with cooking or you feel that it's a, an overwhelming process. And then as soon as you layer on vegan or plant-based cooking on top of that, it becomes even more challenging and perhaps limited. So hopefully this conversation will give you a bit of hope and some tools that you can use to feel more comfortable in that environment. So I'm very much looking forward to getting into this one. But before we start, a quick note from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Boomi. If you're anything like us and you care about conscious consumerism, you'll love the range of products that Boomi has on offer. Not only are all their products ethically made in fair trade certified factories, but they also only use premium organic materials, which means no harmful pesticides, no toxic dyes, and there's no child or exploitative labor involved. As it starts to warm up here in Australia, they've got you covered with their beautiful new fabric percale. It's delicious to sleep in, keeping you cool, having that crisp and refreshing feeling. Made from ethically manufactured 100% organic cotton, you'll feel amazing knowing that you're sleeping in the most ethical bedding available. We have a special offer for our listeners, giving you 25% off storewide using the discount code MINIMALISTVEGAN at checkout. T's and C's apply. To learn more about Boomi and their full range, visit boomi.com.au. That's B-H-U-M-I Now back to the show. Okay, welcome back. We've said it before and we'll say it again over and over again, but I believe and I know you believe that cooking is one of the most powerful and beneficial skills that anyone can possess when it comes to self-sufficiency, a sense of pride and being able to share recipes with people that you love in the in a way to build community. But cooking is not for everybody. I mean, not everybody enjoys it. And again, when you start talking about plant-based cooking, it can feel even more overwhelming. So I just want to start there. Let's let's start with that fundamental question. If if someone's listening to this and thinking, look, cooking's just not for me, I prefer to eat out, or there's somebody else in my life that prepares meals for me, or I'm just, you know, happy to buy pre-packaged foods and um, just thaw it out and heat it up and eat that, and they hate being in the kitchen, what would you say to somebody who claims they hate cooking? That's a great question, because I think there's a lot of people out there that that have that and I know that there's been probably patches in my life in the past where I've just been very discouraged from cooking. I wouldn't quite use the word hate because I don't think I've ever hated being in the kitchen but I've definitely not enjoyed the process or found the passion in it before we sort of started the minimalist vegan really. I mean no that's a lie I did but not to the extent that I do now. So I think the main thing is to try and work out Like with anything in life, find the why. Like when you first become vegan, you have to have a strong enough why to keep you there with becoming a minimalist, the same thing. And I think if you 
really dislike cooking. I think it's trying to work out why that is and what's stopping you from moving past that point. What isn't motivating you to get back in the kitchen and what potentially could motivate you to spend more time in the kitchen. So sometimes it can be that, well, your family's discouraging because they always say that your food tastes terrible or they don't enjoy your cooking. So that's really deflating and discouraging for you to want to do that. Again, of course it would be. I mean, words of affirmation is everybody's love language to an extent. So I think it's important to address those things and work out, well, okay, so where am I going wrong with what I'm preparing? What's the feedback that I'm getting? Try and like put your personal judgment aside. I know it's difficult and anybody can get hurt by that. But if you want to improve and if you want to get those, you know, especially if it's children, getting them from going, oh, yuck, mum, that tastes terrible to "Mm, this is the best meal you've ever made. I think that that transformation can be quite encouraging and will actually, if that's your motivation, it will help you improve and make those tweaks to get there. So, So I think even just starting small looking at what kind of foods you and your family enjoy when you're eating out, whether it's tacos, whether it's falafel wraps, like what is it that's enjoyable to you that you can start introducing into your own kitchen and just starting there. So we do have the examples that I gave you. We do have just recently posted a lentil and cauliflower tacos recipe that's absolutely delicious. So if you love tacos, you can give that one a go. And we do also have a falafel wrap that's really good as well. So you can give those recipes a try as like your starter kit. Um, You know, if you love pasta dishes, we've got really simple cabbage pasta dish that's surprisingly delicious. And we've had a lot of great positive feedback from skeptics that thought can't be this simple. You know, I think it only has three ingredients in it. So it's just trying those things that that are basic, but also have a lot of flavor so that it encourages you to get back into the kitchen more and more often. Um, And sometimes it's also you just haven't found that passion for cooking yet. And I say yet because I think anybody can be passionate about cooking if they invest the time into learning about it and improving their skill. Even if it's still relatively basic, if you have like your five go-to meals that you always pull out, but that you really enjoy eating, everybody else enjoys eating and that you feel confident making those things. Even if it's five things, that's okay. It's better than nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I can certainly relate to that because um, myself and, and my dad, it was much the same have about a handful of things that we make and and try to perfect that over time and it gives you a lot of that confidence right yeah and i think even just starting with one one of those recipes and mastering that and getting positive feedback is probably the quick win that you need to get that bit of motivation but i think everyone can relate to that resistance to being in the kitchen if you don't have those results on the board i love your tip your suggestion of looking at what you may be buying out as a takeaway option and then trying to recreate that at home. Yeah, something that's not overly complex that you can recreate at home. Like I wouldn't be trying to make pasta from scratch, you know, like you make things that are achievable. So again, you want to build that confidence for yourself to try different things 
or even just in just investing a little bit more of that time rather than cooking vegetables in a particular way it might not be the best way to make that vegetable shine so just investing a little bit of time and a little bit of energy to experiment and seeing okay well what's the best way to cook mushrooms for instance or what's the best way to cook silver beet or potatoes you know and how many different ways you can cook those simple things it's sort of starting small and having those building blocks to to improve on them yep absolutely it's interesting you mentioned time a few times in terms of investing time yeah and you know if somebody's listening to this and saying yeah well look i would like to be able to cook and an ideal world i'd love to be able to spend all afternoon nerding out about uh, different combinations and flavors and recipes but i have a household to run i've got a demanding job i've got people in my life that i need to look after like i simply don't have the time yeah. to invest into cooking what would be your suggestions or tips to addressing that issue which i think we can all universally relate to yeah so there'd be a few different factors here so for instance i mean this is where actually you can have some minimalist principles that come into play right so you can look at your week and go well if i want to spend more time cooking and i want to invest that for my health and my kids health or my family's health or just enjoy the process more It's just trying to work out in your week, okay, well, when do I have that pocket? Where can I offload something that's on my plate to somebody else in my family? And creating that space to just start experimenting, as I said before. We all have 24 hours in a day. It's just how we all use that time. And I know everybody's busy out there, but I think for me, growing up in a family where there was a home-cooked meal every day, it really made a difference for me personally. And I think that... How so? Just because like that's how my mum showed her love to us and even my dad, you know, he did a bit of cooking as well. And just feeling like you're getting this nurturing meal that's home cooked. I mean, we hardly ever had any takeaway. And if we did, it was more of a weekend sort of treat thing. We never used the microwave. We never had those frozen meals and things like that. My parents hardly ever used the freezer because everything was done fresh. So I, I'm aware that my story is not very relatable to a lot of people in that sense, but I know that I really appreciated those things in life. And I guess that that's where I'm coming from it now. You know, if I was to have my own children, that would be really important to me. And different people have different priorities. But I think if you look at it fundamentally as to the things that we do the most in life, it's sleep, drink and eat. That That's sort of the basics. You can't survive without, without those things. So if we're looking at it from that angle, eating is a vital thing for us all to survive and investing time and energy and money into that, I think is, is really important. So I Again, if you're looking at minimalist principles and reshuffling things around, but here's some tips on how to actually help with the time issue just to get you started. So you can do things like prepare meals for the whole week or at least plan them for the whole week so that you're not feeling stressed and wondering, scratching your head going, oh my God, what am I going to make for dinner? I'm exhausted. You know, the kids are hungry. I'm hungry. Let's just order some takeaway. You know what? What you've just said is probably half the battle. Yeah. I know in those moments where I feel stressed or I'm really hungry. Yeah. And there's not much time. Or hangry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I, I keep thinking like a lot of my anxiety is around I don't know what yeah. to cook. 
Yeah. As soon as I know what it is that I'm, I'm cooking and I have ingredients for it, exactly, the stress goes down. Yeah. And I feel I can get into my comfort zone. So yeah. what you just said about at least having an idea of what you're going to prepare is really important. Because look, uh, uh, like this whole idea of meal prep is very admirable. And mm. I know a lot of people in my life who are very disciplined and, you know, every Sunday prepare meals for the whole week. But if someone's not that disciplined that wants to save time, mm. yeah, where so, can we go from there? Yeah. yeah. So even just having a few ideas or like looking, buying things with the intention of having those for the week but sometimes you go I actually don't feel like that I'll just make this instead which is fine but then you still have the other dish to fall back on if you have the ingredients for it and I think it's important to stock up your pantry with long shelf life items so that you're not stressing about the cucumber that's going off in your fridge because it's been sitting there for a week and then you end up throwing it out because you changed your mind and you weren't going to make that meal anymore so I think it's important to sometimes have ingredients in your pantry that are easy quick and throw together so meal prepping if you can also buying things in bulk so that you have a decent amount of it in your pantry so that again you have your go-tos in emergencies you know you can pull out the can of tomatoes the onion the garlic some spices and some pasta and that can be finished within 15, 20 minutes for the whole family. Like that's a really easy thing to whip up. And then if you want, if you want extra nutrition, you can make a quick salad on the side of that if you have the ingredients available. But those things are normally your pantry staples that you can just put together. If you have a bit of more time, you can also do some roast veggies with some sweet potato, normal potato, onions, garlic, any other veggies that you might have in the fridge, uh, pumpkin, and just literally mix that up with some spices and put that in the oven and walk away. And again, you can do a quick and easy salad to go on the side of that. Like those are just some of the things, or if you want some protein, you can fry up some vegan sausages or some tofu, tempeh, make a quick bean salad to go on the side as well. But we'll get more into that later in terms of some ideas, but you know, pre-cutting vegetables so that they're ready to go when you need them cooking or making sauces in batches so that you can have them in the fridge for something quick and easy to to pull together. Um, Soaking ingredients. So for instance, this morning, I just looked in the cupboard before we went out to the cafe. I was like, okay, so I have these red lentils in the back of my cupboard that I haven't made anything with. Let me just soak them. Like it took me 30 seconds to just put them into a, a container and put water in it and so now it's like okay well I have options to make with that ingredient if I want to so it's just kind of playing around with ingredients that you have in your kitchen and especially when it comes to like beans and lentils and or things that need to be pre-soaked if you just do that ahead of time you don't have to go oh okay well I don't have anything because I didn't prepare it like eight hours ago or the night before. So, yeah, just simple things like that. Yeah, keep it simple. So it sounds like you don't need to look too far ahead, but even the next couple meals, just making sure you're looking after your future self so you're saving that time. Give yourself options with what you can make. But I guess, again, those options and experimenting and playing around come with with time and confidence in the kitchen. Yeah. 
I do also recognize that definitely, at least in my household uh, growing up, leftovers was a big deal. Yeah. So even though there wasn't such detailed meal planning for the whole week, it's like every time there was a meal prepared, it would be five times the amount that was necessary. And that was all divvied up and rolled out throughout the next couple of days or sometimes frozen to consume later. Hmm. So uh, we're always reheating things and saving yeah. a lot of time. And I think sometimes we can underestimate this how quick and efficient it is to reheat something and eat it over lunch or dinner. Um, that's something that's ready to go. So I think, yeah, if you know how to make something, and another way is just to bolster it up and turn it into leftovers. Yeah, or even if it can't be sort of put together at that time that you make all the components for it and so yep. that it's easy to assemble when you need it. You know, if you need to to fry something just before it goes or if it's something fresh that will kind of go a bit gross if you pre-make it, then have that pre chopped and pre-washed and ready to go so that you can mix it in much easier and therefore you can throw things together even if you have those as leftovers like you chopped up some carrot and you're only going to use half of it but then you have that as a base for maybe something else the next day and you have some veggies in the freezer that you just bung together with some rice and a quick stir fry or fried rice type of meal. Yeah, if you're hearing Marsha speak now, this is what she does on a daily basis. If she's not recipe testing, she's just piecing things together. And I want to ask her about that shortly. But you did mention adding some protein to meals before. And I know particularly on a plant-based lifestyle, that's something that comes up time and time again is people not only wondering what the protein sources are, that are vegan friendly, but how to get a good variety to incorporate into their cooking. Um, because I know being an omnivore before, um, I know we looked at animal products, specifically meats and cheeses, as more or less the hero on the plates and, and plants were sort of the supporting act. At least that's the way I viewed it. So what would you suggest to people who are looking to incorporate a variety of proteins or some examples of what that looks like? Yes, I think there's misconception that there's only a few sources and that they're in smaller amounts. So there's, you know, obviously along a lot of different plant sources, there is proteins. It just obviously varies in how much and how concentrated and if it's a complete protein versus non, not complete protein. So things that have proteins in them are things like beans, lentils, tofu, tempeh, edamame beans, breads that are made from like sprouted grains, soy milk, nuts and seeds, peas are a great one that I actually just throw in quite often into our meals from the freezer. And there's heaps of other vegetables that have a range of different proteins in it. But if you're looking for a complete source, you're looking at things like hemp seeds, chia seeds, quinoa, buckwheat, soy products, predominantly like the fermented soys is what I mentioned in the previous section and spirulina. I mean, no one's going to really be consuming a lot of those foods at every meal, but if you can try and get a variety and know what the protein sources are so that you can include them at least once or twice a day, then you're off to a good start. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is like awareness is key here. Yeah. You know, so if there's one thing to maybe take away from this is like, you become aware of maybe that list that you've just created, maybe write that down and set yourself a goal to incorporate them into a couple of meals a day to keep yeah. it simple. And look, and even if you if you don't want or can't find some of those sources, and let's be honest, 
the ones that I've just listed, most of them are a little bit on the expensive side as well. So I think even finding a really good quality protein powder that doesn't have any fillers, that's obviously vegan, that is a really great way to kickstart the day that sounds really cheesy but like you know making a quick smoothie we've got a recipe for a superfood smoothie on our website where I've added you know hemp seeds chia seeds and all of that sort of stuff but I've also added a protein powder into it as well and find a protein powder that you would be happy to just like have with water even if you want to that's not full of sugars though because you're trying to do the the right thing for your body and you don't want your blood sugar levels spiking just in the morning so I think it's just trying to find that balance of well what works for you we have a practitioner only range protein powder that I get through my mum that's a naturopath and that's a chocolate flavored one and that's got a lot of those complete protein sources that I mentioned earlier so the cleaner the ingredients the better and yeah just doing what you can when you can but just being mindful that that those places are where you should be getting your proteins from yep and obviously everybody's needs are different you know i know that my body thrives when we've done a podcast episode on this before my body thrives on higher protein diet and some people don't need that so i think it's just trying to work out what serves you best and thinking and preemptively planning for that in your meals. Yeah. No, that's great. Thanks for that. Along the same lines of protein and just eating a bit healthier, I know a lot of pain point for people is, okay, well, if I'm eating plant-based, am I going to be in the kitchen chopping vegetables for 40 minutes straight? Like, what are some ways to incorporate some nutrients and eat some healthy, balanced meals within a reasonable time frame, like under 30 minutes? Do you have any suggestions in terms of how we can hack that process for our busy lives? Yeah, so like even just some of the options that I gave earlier, but I think it's about, you know, having lots of food in your fridge and pantry to be able to quickly grab things and go. Canned beans and lentils, honestly, are a saviour. I mean, ideally you'll be cooking them yourself and, you know, saving cans and blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to being practical, there's nothing better than a canned bean or lentil because you can just throw that into pretty much anything. We go through them so quickly in this house and I do sometimes cook different beans and lentils and stuff in bulk and some obviously I don't you don't you can't buy jarred or canned like red lentils and sometimes you can use those as a base as well but more often than not you know they're just something that you can add to a meal as well so butter bowls are a great way to create really nutrient dense meals so for instance on our website we've got uh three butter bowl recipes that are 30 minutes and less and And when you say 30 minutes or less are they actually 30 minutes or less or is it like no they're well they all is it really 60 minutes for a slow a slow cook like me they all come in at 30 minutes and i was very strategic in which grains i used which vegetables i used and which sources i used because i wanted to make sure that everything that was in there could realistically cook in that time but i think sometimes it's also how like if you were to do these things individually so for instance with the quinoa bowl um with the tahini dressing if you were to cook the quinoa and wait for the quinoa to cook and not prep anything else in the meantime, obviously it's going to take you 
twice the amount of time because you're not being strategic or utilizing that time in between. Yep. I see lots of butter bowls that have sweet potato and I was like, well, I still want to use sweet potato, but how can I cook it faster without putting it into the oven? So in this recipe, I actually slice it really thin and I pan fry it and they're done within a few minutes on either side rather than 20 to 30 minutes in the oven. So just little things like that where, you know, using baby spinach that wilts within seconds and avocado already pre-cooked chickpeas and using those building blocks to just quickly make a bowl while your grains are cooking you're you're finishing off all of your other pieces i see so it's the idea that by the time your grain is done all the components are ready to construct yeah i see so quinoa takes how long what 20 minutes 20 25 20, minutes 20 25 to cook. minutes yeah, yeah. Makes and sense. you know and that's why i have like white rice in one of them so that's the the tofu butter bowl with the peanut sauce i used um, medium grain white rice for that one and then like raw veggies that can be grated or peeled really quickly and tofu that's shredded so that it marinates much faster I see. and cooks much faster so you gotta that's interesting think about all of yeah. the ways that so you it's, know, it's what i'm hearing is that you you've it's the ingredients you use yes. for the speed, but also some ingredients is how the technique, the, the technique you, yeah. you know, for shredding the tofu or slicing the sweet potato into thin slices yeah. are techniques that can speed up the cooking process. So, okay. Yeah. If you want like butter bowls are normally multiple different components. So yeah. rather than just banging everything into one pot, butter bowls are a little bit more structured that way that yep. you have bits of everything so sequencing so what i'm hearing is that sequencing is going to be very critical to yeah. prepare things in, a, in the right amount of time yeah so if you get your steps right that's going to set you up for success yeah so you know and there's so many other options for meals that are under 30 minutes so you know salads are a great way to to do that we've got a great lentil salad and a black rice salad like you want salads that are filling and i think another thing that happens when you transition to a vegan diet is a lot of people under eat right because they're used to getting full from animal-based products and so you just got to make sure that when you are starting out at least you eat more to work out what your threshold is for how much you know like i know we we eat a lot and so it's just making sure that you're not depleting yourself from getting full and being peckish one to two hours after you've eaten something. So salads are a great option. You've also got pasta and noodle dishes. They're a really great throw together thing. We've got a few different really simple recipes on the website for that as well, like the sauerkraut pasta. Um, you know, even as I mentioned before, like spaghetti with tomato sauce, like that's a really simple staple dish that you can yes. have. Cabbage pasta is another great one that I think I mentioned earlier as well. Vietnamese noodles. So that's more fresh ingredients for that as well. You know, sandwiches, burgers, toasties. Again, you can be creative with the things that you put in them. Quick curry. So if you, if you're looking at a curry, for instance, you'd want something, again, you're not using vegetables that are going to take a while to cook within the curry like potato like potatoes um or even carrots depending any root on veg, how really, yeah. yeah pretty much so you use things that can be even on the more on the raw side if you want them to be so like peppers zucchini mushroom like anything that comes out of the freezer is pretty much good to go snow peas broccoli 
they're all okay if they're a little bit under to give that crunch. So, and, and then using something like a coconut milk base or even a blended cashew with canned tomato base as well. And obviously all of your spices that you'd normally put into a curry. But by the time that your rice is cooked, you can have a quick curry ready to go. Yes, you're not going to get that really rich depth of flavor because you're not cooking it for as long. But we don't need that all the time. Yeah. It's still going to be flavorful. You just got to obviously season it well. So yeah, stocking up your pantry with all of these types of staples so that you can throw things together quite easily is, I think, the best way to go. All right. And on that note of throwing things together, yes. you're a pro at this. <laughs> like you open up the fridge and you've just got like one carrot, one mushroom, <laughs> like a little bit of pumpkin and you know do you know when you walk into a fridge and you're like what what is you're this literally what, what is saying someone... what is exactly in our fridge yeah right now. <laughs> but it's like what am, like what am i gonna do with this like this is all useless to me like someone like me walk and seeing that it's like it's over yeah like I, i've got nowhere to go but for yourself you turn that into you can, you can make them stretch a long way yeah, so you... i think it's just like well for me i normally use up vegetables that are on their way out first because i hate food waste so for instance this morning i wanted to make a savory breakfast and we had a few slices of sourdough left over from yesterday yep and so i knew that it was going to be bread with something so I looked at what we had in the fridge and I used a leek that really needed to be used up. I bought some fresh silver beet from the markets yesterday, two massive bags, and I actually pre-washed that yesterday. I normally don't do that, but I did. I was going to use it for something and then I changed my mind and put it back in the fridge. So, yeah, it was pre-washed. So, I didn't have to think about that. Chives, there was one mushroom. So, I used that one big portobello mushroom. What else did I put in there? Oh, and then from the freezer, I used corn and peas. Yep. So I fried all of that off in our fry pan with some seasoning. And what's the only th- what? What did you have to chop? Just well, I had to and... chop the leek, mushroom, the silver beet, and the chives. And how long did that take you? Like five minutes. Oh, and you just chopped them in the air, or? <laughs> the chopping, uh, chopping no, board. I use the chopping board. Oh, okay, use the chopping board. Yeah, because Marshall just like hand, hand chops, chops yeah, yeah, hand chop stuff. Which I, no, yeah. I don't actually as much as yeah, I used okay, to. Yeah, right. I use the chopping yeah, board Yeah, you can hand chop directly in yeah, to the, the, sometimes cook, the, the pot or the pan. it's quicker and easier. Yeah, okay. All yeah. right, so you chop. Okay, so that's pretty cool. And then you just threw things in from the freezer. Yeah, and um, that took no more than 10 minutes to put together. And then I had some hummus because I try and make like a weekly batch so that we just have it again to go with anything. And it's a great source of protein and it's quite filling. So I just put a dollop of that on the side with the toasted bread. Yeah. And away you go. And there was breakfast. Done. Okay. I think that's a good point though. Because if you look at the structure, when I see you get scrappy and piece things together quite often i see it's like stir fries yeah. or soups yeah that's or, the other thing to you know use fried up rice or something yeah. like that so there are a bit of there is some patterns frameworks in this what looks like chaos but it actually ends up yeah falling into one of those categories more often than not yeah and you can do you know even different pasta dishes roast veggies like i mentioned before risottos as well is a great one okay yep yeah. Just throwing different vegetables in that as yeah. well. Yeah, tofu scrambles. You can throw a lot of stuff, uh, different veggies in there. That yeah. too. 
And if you really get desperate, you can make cold-pressed juice if you've got a, a juice press um, with some scraps. So. And that's what I'm going to do probably tomorrow because yeah. we have lots of mint, celery. We've got a green apple. We've got limes and lemons. So I'm going to do a bit of a veggie juice tomorrow morning. Nice. And a bit of ginger. There you go. Yeah. So Using I up think everything. It's just, yeah, I yeah. think it's just working out, okay, well, what needs to be used up first? As I said before, I hate food waste. So I try and use everything in a yep. in a timely manner if I can. Okay. But I think the t- key takeaway there is if you've got fresh ingredients you need to look, uh, use up, think about stir fries, soups, broth. If you get down to it, maybe a juice, a smoothie, like the a risotto. These are maybe think of these as frameworks and how these ingredients can play a role in that. Yeah, bakes like a pasta bake sure. or you know, like we've got baked ziti that's a really delicious meal. Yeah. Um different types of pasta bakes or just veggie bakes and you can throw a white sauce over that like there's so many different things that you can do love it love it okay (laughs) um so i want to shift gears into talking about flavor and i i think one thing i'm i've learning and i I know you spend so much time watching the food channel there's a 24-hour food channel that we watch and what you watch all the time and you start to pick up things and what comes up time and time again is balance of flavors. And I know that even when you're preparing recipes, this is something that's very front of mind for you. But like if, if someone's just starting out, and I know my palate for cooking was very much uh, to the extremes. It was either something super sweet or super salty. And I thought, look, that just tastes great. But mm-hmm. over time, I've grown to appreciate more balanced meals. Could you... um? Tell us like what that looks like for you and your process and how people can start getting a bit more balance in their meals to really impress their friends and family. It's interesting when you actually go out and eat, normally the the meals that wow you are the ones that have the perfect balance of all of these different flavor profiles. So, you know, balancing the sweetness, the saltiness, the bitterness, the sour and the umami. And so that's kind of where you'd want that to be. Nothing that overpowers um, and nothing that's missing, ideally. But you can't, I think that that's kind of like your best case scenario, right? But you're not always going to have all of those things singing out and you're not going to stand there in the kitchen going, tasting your food and going, "Mm, so does this have saltiness, sweetness, blah, 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 blah. But I think it's a really great place to start. And if you also want to take it, your cooking to the next level, I think it's important to keep those things in the back of your mind. Again, there are some dishes that it's just not going to happen. You know, I've got plenty of recipes that don't tick all of those boxes on the website that still taste amazing. But if you want to be able to to train yourself to to taste something like you were saying before, like if it was super sweet or super salty, like if you want to develop your palate into something a little bit more interesting, then those are the things that you should look out for. And even just like tasting your food as you're cooking it and therefore seasoning as you're cooking it. Because once you've added way too much salt, as we know, we've, I've learned from that mistake, you can't undo that. And so I think it's important to do it as you go along um, and tweak it as you need to. For sure. Like, I mean, I, I know like I... I I, I just thought the idea of having too much umami was ludicrous. Like, how can you have too much umami? But but now <laughs> but I, you can. <laughs> but now, I, like, you know, if I'm making like a saute or something 
and it's just you know creamy and rich and salty it's like i am looking for the apple cider vinegar or the lemon um to balance that out where previously i, I thought that um without that balance it, it tasted great but now it's just unlocked a completely different experience so yeah don't sleep on this one i think this is uh as a home cook this is really a great way to level up and it makes your cooking a little bit more interesting yeah okay we're gonna come down the home stretch here with some rapid fire um i'd love to know what are your go-to pantry staples that you know if you didn't have them yeah it feels like this time definitely like this feels a like day this. or two wouldn't last without yeah. them in the kitchen yeah so there's a few because i've learned to attach myself to a few of these ingredients that i tend to gravitate towards so I mean, it's no surprise that nutritional yeast is on there for every vegan. It's like their best friend. It gives umami, as we talked about before, and it brings a cheesiness to a lot of different meals that you can use in different sauces and bakes and like it's just it's endless. Um, Tamari, speaking of umami, is probably one of my favorite all-time ingredients. I've always had tamari over soy sauce but they're interchangeable tamari is just typically you got to be mindful sometimes it's tamari but it still has wheat derivatives it's not always gluten-free but typically speaking tamari should be gluten-free um smoked paprika has been one that lately i've actually i really can't live without because i've started putting it in almost everything i thought you're more sweet paprika type of person I used to be. Oh, okay. This is a recent development. But now it's like smoked paprikas, that undertone of beautiful smokiness. I absolutely adore. Me too. Garlic powder. I can't live without Mm. garlic powder. It's just like, it's one of those things like you add salt, you add garlic powder. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Onions. I mean, every recipe for me pretty much starts with onions. Um, Garlic as well is a must-have, raw garlic. Different types of oil. So the ones that I mainly use are like grapeseed or rice bran oil and olive oil, extra virgin olive oil. Uh, Lemons is another one that I've learnt in the last year or two that I just can't live without. Um, I really love lemons and and on that note i mean you source your lemons typically from neighbors or people in the neighborhood that you found online and stuff there's always people with lemon trees that i'm jealous of and they're not using it yeah yeah i mean there's only so many lemons that one can use so yeah i've got a great supply of lemons (laughs) um cumin powder is probably another great spice that you can incorporate into a lot of different cuisines As I've mentioned many, many times during this episode, you won't be surprised that I say canned beans and lentils. Um, Salt, I mean, without salt, we would really not have any flavor at all. Um, And the last one is canned tomatoes and like passata. So they're just a great staple to have that, again, you can throw into different dishes very quickly and easily. So they're my top, I don't know how many that is, but they're my top um, picks for my go-to pantry staples. Yeah, nice. I like that list. I, I think my you list approve. Is, yeah, my list is pretty much the same. I, I definitely. I mean, you if would, there's no onion and garlic, I'll, you would add sriracha though. I'd, that would yeah, be. probably add sriracha. Yeah, true, true. That would be your list, um, or or chilies of some chili. sort. Chili, no, yes, that would be yeah. um, the cayenne pepper. 
is that delivers the but spiciness. That's potent too. It is potent, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. So that's the only adjustments I'll make is spice. So to round out this conversation, Kimmy, do you have any parting words or tips or tricks for people just trying to cook delicious plant-based meals? Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned it a few times, but let's wrap it up now. So I think it's just about keeping it simple, especially when you're starting out. You want to keep it simple. You want to start with fewer ingredients and really trying to make those shine and then build it from there um, because you have nothing to hide behind if you can't make simple ingredients shine. And then also in that note, get to know your flavor combination. So which vegetables go together, which grains and beans and what works well, what you like the flavor of once they're combined. And that's a great way to experiment with different cuisines because typically you'll have like an undertone of a particular vegetable, mainly spice that will will be used in those types of cuisines. So if you really like Indian food, you know, like get yourself a really good set of different Indian spices that are commonly used like coriander, cumin, curry powders, fennel seeds can sometimes be used as well, um, mustard seeds, all that sort of stuff. And making sure when you're about to start cooking, I know it sounds like a really obvious one, but a few times I've caught myself out where I get it a little bit ahead of myself when I'm a little bit lazy. I don't pull everything out that I need. And then as I'm cooking, I'm pulling things out or I can't find, well, no, it doesn't happen very often that I can't find something or I need to wash it. You know, it's just making sure that when you're ready to cook, you're ready to cook. You've got everything out. Sometimes, especially if you're starting out pre-chopping things, I'm quite comfortable chopping as I'm cooking to save a bit of time. But again, if you want to avoid burning things, if you're just getting started, pre-chop everything, pre-wash everything so that you have the best way of succeeding. Um, Investing, and I think this is a really important one, especially if you're baking things, investing in cup measurements, tablespoon and teaspoon measurements and scales so that you can get precision every single time, especially if you're cooking with other people's recipes. I think that's a really important thing to have as like a basic in your kitchen and then also just remembering that you might like something more than you know you look at a recipe and you go oh actually I'd prefer a little bit more chili I'd prefer a little bit less chili or I you might know that your oven runs a bit hot so just adjusting your palate and the temperature um, you know, like if you sometimes I found I prefer cooking on gas stove, but currently, you know, in this house we have an induction stove. So I find with gas things cook a little bit quicker and easier, whereas with an induction, I find that sometimes things can burn much easier if you put it on the rapid heat to, to warm it up quicker. So it's just knowing what you have access to and if you don't have certain appliances, then adjusting to that as well. And one thing to note is that salt, the type of salt that you use will vary. So table salt versus kosher salt versus Himalayan salt versus sea salt, they will actually all have slightly different flavor profiles and will be saltier than the other. So when you're cooking, also get used to the type of salt that you like to use in your kitchen and just keep that in mind 
when you're cooking. If you make my recipes, I always use Himalayan salt. I'm not saying that that's the salt that you should use, but that's the one that I have on hand. So if you find that sometimes my foods are a little bit under-seasoned, it might be that you're using a stronger salt than I am. So that's just a little nuance to keep in mind. Last two points. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So much to share on this, yes. Yeah, and then we'll wrap it up. So if you can, shop and cook seasonally. So that's the best way to get the most flavor out of your produce because they're in season and they haven't traveled halfway across the country or the world to get to your table. That way, you know, like I honestly can't compare. I don't really buy produce in the supermarket, but when I've had to buy things like a tomato in the supermarket it tastes absolutely nothing like the ones that i get at the markets like it's honestly night and day the difference so it's just trying to cook with local seasonal produce ideally if you have access to a farmer's markets please take advantage of that because your food just by changing where you buy your ingredients and when you buy your ingredients will make a massive difference in your cooking and lastly have fun with it I think if you go from someone that hates cooking to just starting to dabble in the kitchen a little bit more and getting those words of affirmation of other people trying your food and you enjoying your food as well, I think if you can get those little wins, it will just, you know, it'll start changing things for you in the right direction. Oh, well done. (laughs) Gee, you've uh, hit us with so much value with some cooking tips there. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. That's okay. From, and, and, but also wisdom. from a perspective of a home cook, you know, this is not some, hopefully not some highly technical, you know, chef level stuff, but just some fundamentals to really help anyone um, get a bit more confidence in the kitchen. So uh, Marsha did mention a bunch of her recipes during this conversation. So I'll try my best to link to the ones that she mentioned in the show notes, which you can find at theminimalistvegan.com slash 073. And, um, you know, we're talking about food today and that's probably going to tee us up for our next episode, which we've got a bit of an announcement to make. A big announcement to make make in relation to what we've discussed today. So um, thank you for tuning in. We hope you've learned some things. We hope that you've got a better relationship or feel a little bit more pulled towards your kitchen to try and experiment and get some of those early wins. Thanks for tuning in and we'll chat to you probably in the next week or two. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. And I hope I haven't overwhelmed you. <laughs> we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.